Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. It is trade deadline day, and we are here with everything you need to know about your new Chicago Cubs. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, pandemic baseball, and the trade deadline for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, Andy Cruz Vienna second. What Sarah meant to say was that she has everything you need to know about these new cubs because it is Monday and my brain is fried. <laughs> I'm lucky I know their names. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, your brain is fried, my computer is fried. Every time we hit trade day, the following thing happens. And admittedly, this is what I get for having like a seven-year-old laptop that I'm not replacing until it dies. But I wind up with like 50 different windows open and I just like completely fry the memory. Like it's like my computer <laughs> could not keep up with what the amount of research I want to do on these new players. And so it just dies on me. Um. Well, that's kind of how my brain feels at this point. Like if I didn't have headphones on right now, my brain would be seeping out of my ears. So just a heads up, if I seem a little out of it, I'm just going to get through it and you guys can act like I've had a drink or two because this has been a real Monday. Let's just put it that way. Got it. Well, let's just jump right in because there is a ton of news. We're going to start with news from the weekend where the Cubs took two of four from the Reds and maintained their uh, foothold at the top of the NL Central, which is outstanding news. I mean, look, a couple of these losses were not very pretty, but the wins were great. Let's uh, jump right in to what was probably the biggest news of the whole thing, which for me was this fight that happened Saturday night. It was David Ross's first ejection as a manager, and he did not get suspended for that, but he was pretty hot about the Reds pitcher, uh, Anthony, I believe it was, throwing a 96-mile-per-hour fastball over the head of Anthony Rizzo. And Andy and I have been on the record about this a bunch, but you do not throw a baseball at someone's head 96 miles per hour. You don't do it intentionally. You don't do it accidentally. You don't do it, period. And I understand why Ross was hot about this. What about you, Andy? I just think it's funny because, like, in this particular instance, I – let me – let me for uh, complete transparency because I've already told Sarah this, and I think I even mentioned it on Twitter – I had this game up. Uh, we were outside with some neighbors and I had the game up on the projector, but I didn't have the sound loud enough. So I couldn't hear what was happening, but I could see things. So I saw the pitch go like whiz over Anthony Rizzo's head. And then the best part about it was the, like the next shot you see is the pitcher, like looking at his hand, like, Oh, what accidentally got onto my hand that made me throw a ball like that? Like, you know, like to blame it on his hand. I'm like, come on, dude. Like you can't, you can't do that. Like, just own it. You know, if you're going to throw a pitch that's bad, okay. But, you know, if, if you don't mean to, then, you know, make a gesture towards the batter whose head you almost just took off. Don't act like it was something that your hand did because you're in full control of your hand, hopefully. If not, you know, we have bigger issues. One would hope a pitcher is in full control of his hand. I mean, he clearly did this intentionally because after the game, he talked about how the grunts that were coming from the Cubs dugout, he thought were mocking him for grunting on a previous pitch. And so he, what he called, I believe in the post game, their girly grunts made him angry. So he decided <laughs> to throw over Anthony Rizzo's head and look, buddy, like if that's all it takes for you to throw a baseball at somebody's head, you need to grow thicker skin. Like this is ridiculous. I am so over people being like, they were chirping at us. So I decided to try to like, throw at somebody's head 96 miles per hour how fragile are you like just like 
take a deep <laughs> breath and, you know, pitch like a regular human being. You have to throw at somebody's head because the girly grunts from the dugout made you mad. Come on. I mean, well, and at this point, didn't Anthony Rizzo have two home runs off of the Reds already? He so, did. yeah. <laughs> so I I was like, oh, that's no no problem. No problem. Don't worry. He'll, he'll, he'll get you back for that one. And he is not going to do it in a way that, you know, like he's angry. He's going to take it out on the ball and, you know, scoreboard. You know, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, you're a professional athlete. You know, part of your preparation for playing a sport at the professional level is the mental side of that. If you can't get over what you can hear in the dugout, like, how did you even get through high school and travel ball? Like, that's all they do. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Come on, man. That's just that's weak. That's weak. Weak indeed. So anyway, um, the umpires got together on this one. Ross was pretty upset. Mike Borzello and David Ross were both ejected from this game. Apparently, Mike Borzello was later uh, suspended for one game and fined, by the way, for one game for excessive arguing, using inappropriate language and failing to leave the dugout, which I, I can only meet like think to mean he kind of hung out for a while before actually going back to the clubhouse. Um, later in the game, the Albert Alzelay through a pitch over the head of a Reds player who was escaping me at the moment. And that started a back and forth between Joey Votto and Anthony Rizzo. And look, if you had Joey Votto versus Anthony Rizzo on your 2020 bingo card, mark that square off. I, I did not see that one coming, but it was a little bit reminiscent of, you know, the time that Rizzo wanted to take on the entire Reds dugout, which <laughs> if you remember, that was sort of like the moment that Rizzo became the captain. And if you have not looked at that video for a while, I encourage you to. Um, this led to a benches clearing incident and you see the umpires just like ejecting people left and right for leaving the benches, which is something you are absolutely not supposed to do in 2020 pandemic ball. So um, if I recall correctly, Votto was ejected. Winker was ejected. Manager David Bell was ejected. Uh, Winker and Bell were both suspended for a game. Votto was merely fined. And then this turned into kind of like a grudge match between the Cubs and the Reds that it really looked like the Cubs were going to come out on top of until Bad Kimbrell showed up in the seventh. <sighs> this was, oh God, this was so hard to watch. This was really hard to watch. And, um, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about it. I, when we see good Kimbrel, he is, he's good and he's scary. And we see glimpses of what he could be on this team and what this team can be with him closing up a game. When we see bad Kimbrel, it is just really bad. And it's, it, it, we, it's too short of a season. It's too, there's just too much to, at stake every single game for us to, to lose games that way. And, you know, that's kind of what got him in the position of being lucky enough to, you know, have an opportunity to close up that game in the first place, because he has not been doing that. It's been everybody else that's been doing it. And this was his, his opportunity after, I don't even know how many games I'd say a week and a half, two weeks um, to close out a game. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And we ended up losing. And that was, that was just, that was a really hard game, hard last inning to watch hard game to swallow. I mean, it was, you know, it was in the bag if you could just come in and pitch strikes and he couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of one of those games where it was really frustrating to watch because he would get two strikes on a batter and then he just wouldn't be able to put them away. The curveball was missing, not 
terribly badly, but just enough that it wasn't going to work. And you could almost see his mind start to unravel as there were more and more runners on base. Um, and which is why the final pitch of the game wound up being a wild pitch that got all the way to the backstop. And then um, Nicholas Castellano scored from third. I mean, it was literally a pitch that the batter swung at, but it didn't matter because it like ran all the way to the backstop and the winning run scored. It was just, it was just rough to watch. I will say this. A lot of people came into my mentions on Twitter, referring to the piece I wrote about Kimbrell earlier in the summer, where I said he shouldn't close the last three or four appearances he'd had had actually convinced me otherwise that he had fixed his arm slot issue. He kind of looked like vintage Kimbrell, but it does seem like the line between vintage Kimbrell and Kimbrell who is going to blow up is real razor thin right now. And so whoever is managing, and at this point, and this was actually my favorite fact about this game. At this point, the manager for the Chicago Cubs was Mike Napoli. So whoever is making the decisions on like who's going to pull uh, Craig Kimbrell and how long of a leash he has, has to have a real short leash if he's not throwing strikes. It just looks like, you know, there are some times where you're just going to have to pull him and bring in somebody else. I am angry at the fact that the Cubs couldn't win this one because I was all ready to tweet Cubs win party at Napoli's and that was taken away from me and I, I'm still sad about it. <laughs> hey, but at least you got to at least mention it, right? So that we knew that thought was there. It was there. It was, it was, it was hanging by a thread and we just couldn't, it just ugh, could not happen for him. It, there'll be other opportunities. I have a feeling David Ross, I think is uh you know, he might be he might be switching gears a little bit on the intensity level with him. It just you, you can just kind of feel that shift. And being that we're what in the last the last month of the season now, that's really strange to say. I feel like we just started playing. Oh wait, we did. Um, it being that we're in the last month of the season now, it, you know, starting tomorrow, it's you, you got to put your foot on the gas, and everybody, you know, everybody's got to be ready to play, come to play every day, and that includes managers. You know, he's got to be on top of his game. He's got to know what he's doing. You know, how he's handling the pitching situation because you know we'll talk about that, but that's another another deal. You know, and, and who gets playing time because right now every inning counts. You know, and, and yes, we have we still have the lead in the division, which is nice, but. You want to be playing good baseball. You don't just want to have a lead in the division. You want to be playing good all-around baseball, and that's something these guys have to strive for and on a cons- consistent level. It's got to be consistent. You can't just have, you know, the Reds, yes, on paper are, are a decent team. We should have taken – it should have been a sweep. We, we Well, Friday was a late comeback. But, I mean, very easily could have taken three of these games, and we should have. Um you know, because they did some things at the deadline too. So yeah, it just, I, I, I'm excited to see the intensity level of this team and where David Ross takes them. It'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the game on Sunday, which if you didn't get a chance to see it, it was just basically like the three true outcomes on display. Everything was a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. That's like all the Cubs were going to do all day, uh, but they turned that into a 10 to one victory over the Cincinnati Reds, which was a ton of fun. I mean, the home runs in this game were incredible. The Cubs actually made history as the first team in MLB history to have their starting outfield all hit multiple home runs. So Chase and Hayward had to, Ian Happ had to, Kyle Schwarber had to. I mean, that is just crazy. <laughs> 
Uh, it was fun though, wasn't it? It was fun. I I kind of I I kind of made a joke to myself because I was giggling. I had to go back and look, but um, Kyle Schwarber when he hit that grand slam in the top of the ninth, and we were already winning six to one. I think he was on a one zero count, and he swung at, at at the second ball that was pitched to him at the grand slam, and just totally disrespected that ball. And I'm like, is there an unwritten rule about this? Like, are we in trouble? Like, is this going to be a problem? I don't know. It was it was really fun to watch. It was nice for them to kind of get the Reds back on the field. Um, and this is exactly how you do that. You know, I mean, you're mad at a team. You have a disagreement with the team. You have an on on field, you know, scrim, scruffle, whatever you want to call it with the team. You get them back by scoring a lot of runs. And that's exactly what they did. And they did it in such a, a cool way. I mean, Jason Hayward is just, my goodness, he's just on fire. And it's been so fun to watch Ian Happ. I mean, it, yeah, it, that was a very, very fun way to get them back for Saturday. It was also fun because I don't know if you caught the Reds post game show where whoever, like, I don't know what it is with Reds announcers. I have never heard a team that's so whiny about the Cubs in my life. Like not even the Cardinals or the Brewers is whiny about the Cubs the way St. Louis is. But so after they won that game on Saturday, the second game of the doubleheader, one of the Reds uh, post game guys was talking about how the Cubs were such an entitled team. And it was so great to come back and beat them in the night to like, you know, smack them around for their entitlement or whatever. And I'm like, Sunday was just like entitled this, buddy. Like this is our right. entitlement on display. Long bombs. Every other batter. <laughs> Have a nice day. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't even know where teams get that from. I mean, obviously we have some bias, but it, it just, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, I, I don't know. It just, it's strange to me. I also wanted to ask you why we're, why we're kind of on the topic, not really on the topic, but talking about broadcasters and Reds people. Have we heard anything about Tom Brenneman? Not since he was suspended. No. Okay, I was going to say, because I don't think he did any, I mean, he hasn't done any games since then, but I wasn't 100% sure. I just really hadn't heard anything. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything either. And I, I mean, I haven't been like Googling Tom Brenneman every day or anything, but I haven't heard anything either. I believe he is still suspended. Okay. Okay. Just curious. Um, since Let's move on. So the Cubs left Cincinnati with first place intact. They took two out of four from the Reds, and for whatever reason, in a division that everybody, Fangraphs, Pakoda, 538, everybody thought would be a dogfight with a bunch of teams hanging around 500, the Cubs have really managed to put some distance between them and the rest of the division. They are 20 and 14. They have a three and a half game lead over the Cardinals, who are sitting at 12 and 13. They have a four and a half game lead over the Brewers, who are sitting at 15 and 18. Um, Five games over the Reds, who are at 15 and 19, and eight and a half games over the Pirates, who are at 10 and 21. What do we think of this Cubs team in the division right now before we get to the trade deadline stuff? Well, I mean, it's hard to not talk about what you think without bringing up the trade deadline stuff, honestly, because before today, I was like, yeah, I mean, they're going to pull out the division or at least, you know, a playoff spot. I felt like I was pretty confident in that. Um, definitely some big gaping holes and what their what the team needs as far as, you know, things that they are, are lacking and you, you know, are being exposed a little bit in some of these losses. I think, um, you know, the momentum thing is, is real, is a real thing. I mean, and I, 
like I said, you don't want to just win the division. You want to be playing good baseball. You don't want to peak, not quite yet, but you want to play good baseball. Um, and that was something that, you know, we, we've seen glimpses of. You've seen it in a couple different streaks they've had. Uh, you know, the offense, defense, everything is clicking, starting pitching, bullpen, everything was clicking, at least to the point where they were pulling out wins. But, you know, there was just, there's still just, there were a couple little things missing that you wanted to see them improve upon before the deadline. And I think without saying too much about getting into deadline stuff, I really think they addressed that. And I feel a lot better. I mean, I feel like there's definitely some folks that are coming into this team um, as of the deadline that are could be difference makers and could really get these guys going as far as stringing a good amount of wins together and really, you know, playing that good baseball that they need to play to, to, to be able to do well in playoffs against teams that they haven't seen all season, which is another thing that is going to be strange. But um, I feel good. I feel good. This division is not the powerhouse that they thought it was going to be, that everyone thought it was going to be. And uh, it's it's also strange to kind of mix in the AL Central, but I like it. I like it. It's been fun to play different teams. I agree with that. I also think it's interesting. I didn't see a ton of movement. And admittedly, I have been like going back and forth on Cubs stuff all day. So I haven't done a ton of deep diving into what the rest of the division did. But I didn't see a lot come across um, my notifications that were huge moves that the Brewers, Cardinals, or Reds made. I really sort of feel like the Cubs have set themselves up well to be in the driver's seat of this division. And, and as Andy alluded, it's hard to talk about the future of the NL Central without talking about the trades that they made. So let's just do that before we take our break. Uh, the Cubs made a couple of deals at the margins to kick things off. They added two lefty relievers, Andrew Chafin and Josh Osich. Um, Chafin is actually currently on the IL with a finger sprain and MLB.com's Jordan Bastian indicates that he may not be ready to come off the IL for another couple of weeks. So that is a down the stretch. You might see him towards the mid part and part of September and hopefully in the postseason type of ad. Asich is an interesting guy. He is he profiles better against lefties than righties. Lefties over his career have batted 211 off of him. Righties have batted 292. He obviously is going to have to be able to face both with the three batter minimum. So let's just start with the bullpen where the Cubs finally have a left-handed guy out there who is not named Kyle Ryan or Jose Quintana. So that's at least some options for David Ross. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I love this. I mean, obviously that is one of the glaring issues I was talking about, you know, the lack of lefties out there and Kyle Ryan was on an island and now he's not, you know, they address the issue and guys that hopefully, you, you know, we've in the past couple of years, to interrupt myself, we've had guys that have come in at trade trade deadlines with not great numbers or not great reputations or not, you know, like overly dominant folks um, up to that point and come in and be real difference makers for the Cubs. I am completely drawing a blank right now, but I can picture him. Um, there was a very good pitcher that came in at the trade deadline two seasons ago and we loved him. He was Jesse like, Chavez. Yes. Thank you. Sunglasses at night. Yes. 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 Um, he was a fan favorite. He came in and just rocked it. And he was not somebody that, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, Jesse Chavez, like he's going to solve all our problems. But he came in and he really contributed and really made a difference. So here's to hoping that this is a similar situation. Um, these guys can really come in and, and give us some good innings, um, you know, for lefties that we didn't have, you know four hours ago. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can contribute. It, it'll be, it'll be very interesting. I'm just happy that we have more than one left-hander now. 
Yeah, me too. Um, uh, One other note that Andy reminded me of right before the show, the Cubs also added AJ Ramos to a minor league deal. So if he comes up at some point, we will let you know a little bit more about him. Um, On the offensive side, and I really love both of these deals, the Cubs have added Jose Martinez, who you may remember from the St. Louis Cardinals, who was most recently with the Rays. He is an outstanding bat against left-handed pitchers. He is also um, a really solid pinch hitter in his career. He's batting like 315 and 104 plate appearances as a pinch hitter, which is beyond solid. And that really bolsters um, that Cubs bat off the bench, which had previously been kind of a rotation between like Josh Fegley or like David Bodie or whoever wasn't playing that day. So I like that addition a lot. And then right at the buzzer, uh, they added Cameron Maven. They traded um, shortstop prospect Zach Short to the Tigers for Maven, who Maven doesn't really have splits that look like they're overwhelmingly great against lefties for most of his career, but he's been doing a really good job against them in 2020. And frankly, like in 2020, small sample size is the season, right? So if he has a good streak going against lefties right now, he might as well just ride that out for a bit and hopefully help the Cubs with it through September. He obviously offers a better offensive platoon option in center field than Albert Almora Jr., who I think now is probably a pinch runner and defensive replacement only. Yeah, I'm really excited about both of these guys. Um, (laughs) Jose Martinez, and you know, I made the joke to Sarah, but I'll just go ahead and crack it on the show too. But um, as long as they don't put him in the field. (laughs) Ever, never. Ever, just, just David take, Ross. Take his never. glove away. Just, just take it and hide it. Like he can play catch, and then assign somebody <laughs> to go hide the glove when he's done playing catch. Uh, listen, I know that you have to be extraordinarily good at the things that you do to be a professional anything, and so I know at some point in his career he was a good defender. But when you get to the major league level, you cannot play defense the way that Jose Martinez plays defense. So he is a good bat. Yes, he is going to be a great addition to this lineup, whether coming in as a pinch hitter or, uh, you know, being worked in the lineup as a DH. Whatever the situation may be, he is going to contribute. You're going to see good things from him. He is one of those guys, um, and I did actually, I probably watched him more than the average Cubs fan because he played in St. Louis and obviously that's where I live. So that's what I watch when I can't watch anything else, but he is, he is one of those guys that is going to fit in well with this team. As far as his personality and his perkiness is, he is just kind of a big, silly guy. And these guys are going to love him. They're going to love him. He's going to get along great with people like Javi Baez and and Wilson Contreras. And I mean, you're going to see him mesh really well, personality wise. And I can just see that because, um, you know, there. I love what the Chicago Cubs have going this year as far as their personality and their youthfulness and their fun. And he has that about him. Now, Cameron Maven, I don't know as much about, um, probably because, you know, I have said a million times that I, I don't really, I'm not as knowledgeable about American League players as I, I wish I was. But it's obviously a, a name that I know. Um, and, you know, if he's somebody that's going to contribute and he's an outfielder, it all, it also kind of makes me wonder who is going because I just don't know where he fits in if if we're adding him to this already kind of full outfield um I don't know we'll see I I my I my I'm very curious and and kind of where I'm going with this is Albert Almora Jr is he somebody that 
Um, I don't know if he has any options left. I thought he read, I read that he has one option left. So I, I've actually got the moves here. Um, Al just posted them at the top of the piece that I wrote on the trade deadline for Bleed Cubby Blue. It looks like Fegley was DFA'd yesterday to make room for Jose Martinez. Ian Miller was DFA'd to make room for Andrew Chafin. And Hernan Perez was DFA'd to make room for Joss Osage. So uh, Almora is safe for now. I don't think that he would be DFA'd or optioned. I do think that he has sort of moved to like I said, that pinch runner defensive replacement role. I can't imagine he's going to be getting big at bats down the stretch right now. He just hasn't been a great hitter for about a season and a half now. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting. And I've read a couple different people kind of question the same thing. Like just how is this going to work? Does this mean somebody, you know, somebody goes or somebody gets optioned or DFA'd or whatever the situation is. It'll be interesting, but I like, I like what they did. I'm I'm positive. I'm I'm up on it. I feel like this is going to be I'm excited to see these guys in Cubs uniforms. I'm excited to see, you know, some of these holes filled and with, you know, halfway decent names that we can put, you know, work into this into these spots. So, um, I'm excited. I, I like I said, I felt good going into today. I feel even better now with the, the moves that they did at the trade deadline, which I honestly did not even think this much would happen to be, to be quite frank. I didn't really think this much would happen either, mainly because I think that just like in years past, the Cubs would just really love for some of their all-star core talent to get hot. And that basically functions like a trade, right? <laughs> like if you get Javi Baez hot all of a sudden, you have an all-star shortstop who's hitting 330 uh, and hitting a ton of bombs at shortstop instead of a guy who's really struggling at the plate right now, similar to Wilson Contreras, similar to Chris Bryant, who has been on the IL for a while now. So those are some some things to keep an eye out for too. Uh, we're about to head to the break, but before we do, I just want to say that I slightly misspoke earlier. Jose Martinez's average as a pinch hitter is across 104 plate appearances, but it is higher than I said. It is actually 323, not 315. My apologies. I have numbers running riot through my head every trade deadline day. At this moment, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. But on the flip side, we have news about the MLB draft for 2021. We also have a preview of the Cubs series against the Pirates, so you will not want to miss any of that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, so as if there wasn't enough news today, one of the things that came across the wires is that MLB is going to try once again to make their draft a more newsworthy event. And this year, or next year, I should say, the way they are going to do that is by having it occur over All-Star Weekend. It will happen July 11th through the 13th, which aligns with the same days that there will be the home run. Well, theoretically, you know, assuming there is an All-Star Weekend in 2021. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with this whole pandemic life and all. Um, but if there is an All-Star Weekend, the draft will happen at the same time of it as it. Andy, what do you think of this? I actually really like this. You know, the more I think about this, and I, I had not heard this news. So Sarah just briefed me on this before we started recording. So I've merely had about 30 minutes to react to this. But um, I actually like this. I think for the young kids that are um, going to have their names called in the draft, I think that is really something special. You know that the, the eyes of the baseball world will be on this because during the day, which I assume is when they'll do it, um, is not really like, there's not a whole lot going on You have all your red carpet stuff and, and that sort of thing, but the main events happen in the evening. So to have something kind of like preemptively go into those events 
and have it be the young, the young up and coming future of the sport. I think that's really cool. And I think those kids are are really going to love that. And, you know, who knows, who knows what that does as far as promoting the game. I mean, it can't hurt. It, you know, it definitely can't hurt. And I will say, and we've talked about this before, that I think the the draft for baseball is, I don't want to say overlooked, but I feel like people don't pay as much attention to it as they could. So I think this is probably their attempt at working this into more of a mainstream event in baseball in something that they want people to pay attention to and know some of these names and be excited about some of these, these names that are being called and, and going to work their way into major league systems as prospects, you know? So I think that's probably not a horrible marketing ploy and I think it will, it will help quite a bit. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah. I'm excited about it too. I mean, MLB has made a push the last few years to try to get the draft more coverage. They try to make it a big deal. They've tried marketing strategies that are similar to what they do with the NBA draft and the NFL draft. They've just never gotten the viewership out of it that those other sports do. I think that this is a way to maybe generate some interest. Like Andy said, there's some downtime before the festivities that they can play off of there. And frankly, if they can get people jazzed about the draft, maybe they can break it off at some point as a standalone event again, and it will just already have more interest in it. But I I see nothing but upside here. For MLB, you know, assuming that there's an all-star game in 2021, which who knows what 2021 baseball is going to look like. But we can talk about that all offseason. Today, we actually have a series to preview. So let's jump ahead to this Cubs-Pirates series. couple of things here. It's going to sound crazy since the Pirates have really been like the bottom dwellers of the NL Central all season. But they might also actually be the hottest team in the division right now. They're the only team that has won more than half of their games over the last 10. The Pirates are 6-4 and over their last 10 games. So the Cubs should not look too far ahead um, while they're getting prepared for this Pirates series. Andy, what do you see as the Cubs head to Pittsburgh? Well, Pittsburgh is kind of a, a wild card. You know, I mean, we saw them, let's see, they had, was it Giolito had the no-hitter against them. But that same Pirates team, I believe, swept... The Cardinals, yeah, the week before, the weekend before. So it's kind of. I think Pittsburgh is is a big wild card. They're obviously not doing anything with this season as far as you know. They're at the bottom of the division, which everyone pretty much assumed they would be based on the talent and all the other teams in this division. But they're also not going to sit on their hands and let people run all over them. So. Um, you know, again, it's a situation where teams play the Cubs really hard. I mean, yeah, it's baseball. Everybody plays everybody hard, but for some reason, everybody is always just so, you know, ready to, to whoop on the Cubs. And, you know, the pirates do scare me in a sense because they really have nothing to lose. You know, I mean, they're at the bottom of the division. They're not going to be anywhere near a playoff contender come the end of this season. So yeah, they have nothing to lose. All they have to do is play spoiler and, you know, teams love to play spoiler for the Cubs. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it, like I said, the, the Cubs on paper could sweep the Pirates, should sweep the Pirates. But, you know, they got a couple starting pitchers, I think, that we're actually going to end up seeing the series that um, are pretty decent. And I think, didn't we have, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me. Hold on, guys. Sorry. This is my Monday showing right now. Um, one of the starting pitchers didn't we have a problem with the last series like he was actually really good um I don't, I don't remember if Chad Cool was pitched against the Cubs last time or not I actually 
I honestly don't remember at all. The matchups are John Lester against Chad Cool, who has been like fine. Um, he has he's one and one with a two point five two ERA and twenty strikeouts this season. And then Wednesday's game will be Kyle Hendricks against our old friend Derek Holland, who you may remember from uh, Joe Madden insisting on letting him pitch to right-handed batters last year and giving away Cubs leads late. Um, that was frustrating and not at all fun. Um, so I would hope that Kyle Hendricks will be pretty successful against Derek Holland. And then uh, the Cubs have TBD, which I have to imagine means that they're trying to figure out exactly where Quintana, Darvish, et cetera, fit into the rotation against JT Brubacker on Thursday afternoon. So I don't remember if we saw any of those pitchers last time or not, but I do like Lester Hendricks and I have to imagine it's Quintana slash Darvish um, on the Thursday game. So yeah, no, we didn't. I don't know. For some reason I had read that it was going to be um, a different pitcher on Thursday for them that I thought we had seen. So no, these are not pitchers that um, we had issues with in the last series. So that, that is, there, there is a positive, positive there for the outlook of this series as far as where our bats are. You know, I just feel like we're coming off such a hot series against the Reds. I feel like, you know, some guys that we really wanted to see kind of pull it together, pulled it together. You also are seeing a couple of our big guys that we really need to kind of break out struggling still. And it's really hard to watch. You know, I'm having a hard time with watching Javi Baez and, and his his body language, I think is probably the most alarming to me. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like he's gotten way down on himself and he's way in his own head. And I just really hope that this is a series where maybe he can start putting it together. I know I've said that probably the past two series and there was glimpses of it. Like we definitely saw it, um, against, was it Cleveland? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you really hope that he starts to put something together, even if he could just be, halfway himself he would be producing more than he is right now because he is just he just looks so lost at the plate and it's really hard to watch because we know how good he is and we know how much he wants to do for his team so um you know it's hard to watch a player player like that struggle as much as he has and you know if you start to think about the players in this lineup that aren't there or aren't producing and the record we have and the outcomes that we've had you know, you, you should really, you know, be happy because <laughs> there's some, there's some big bats in this lineup that are not turning out the production that we thought they would have. And we're still winning games and we're still hitting the ball. And we're actually, the situational hitting has, has gotten better is improving every game. I feel like, um, so if, if those bats start to heat up at all, I mean, we're going to be really dangerous and, and definitely the pirates would not be a team to slow us down. You know, the thing about Javi that is really difficult to watch right now is that he's very much trying to swing his way out of a slump and he's swinging at a lot of junk to do it, which is why his strikeout rate over the last two weeks is 39.3%, which is just like super yikes. So the big difference between Javi's approach at the plate and Wilson Contreras, and look, the results are very similar. Like both of them have a WRC plus uh, Javi's is 63. Wilson's is 59. Javi's batting 196. Wilson's batting 143. Like neither of them looks great at the moment, but the big difference between the two is that Javier Baez is doing all of this with a, a batting average on baseballs in play of 286, which isn't that far off his career average. And he's just not getting on base much at all. Whereas Wilson is still taking walks um, about 14% of the time right now. His on base percentage is 288. 
And his bat batting average on balls and plays is only 156. So you know that Wilson is getting a little bit unlucky, whereas Javi is trying to swing his way out of a slump, and it, it's just ugly right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you also, like, I know you kind of hear people joke about it, and because I live around, um, you know, a million Cardinals fans, when the game was on, um, we had, well, it was not this past Saturday because he sat in the nightcap, but I had a game on and somebody made a comment about how he's going to hurt himself on his swing. And that is something that I've always like it, the amount of twerk that goes into his swing. And you just want, you're like, Javi, like, come on, man. Like you're scaring me a little bit here. <laughs> like, is your body going to untwist the way that you just twisted it? You know? So um, yeah, you, you hate to see him go up there and, and miss so badly and, and not have the pitch selection that he should. Um, it, it just, yeah, it, hopefully he figures it out. He is too good not to figure it out. Let's just put it that way. I think his approach just needs to be tweaked a little bit, but you know, the, I, who knows how they're handling that behind the scenes. If that's something that David Ross goes in on, or if he has some of the other leaders on the team, just give him a little nudge and tell him, you know, just go up there and don't try to hit the ball out of the park every single time. Just get a hit. It starts there. Like that's where it started for him the last time he was hitting consistent singles and then a double. And then, you know, so just, I, I just really would love to be able to, to hold him in my arms and tell him, don't do too, too much. Don't, don't try to do too much. And, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I, I agree with all of that, except maybe the whole two in my arms thing. That's a, that's a little bit. Did that sound creepy? I didn't mean to sound creepy. I didn't mean to sound creepy. I don't really? Creepy. I just, I just, like, that's not really how I would roll. No, I will I, say, um, let's talk about some good news on the Cubs because the Cubs do have some really hot bats coming into this Pirate series. Ian Happ, still on fire, still just leading the team and like all the things. He's hit six home runs in the last two weeks. He's slashing 278, 400, 667 with a WRC plus of 179. And Jason Hayward is currently the player that the Cubs went out and spent all that money on. Do not sleep on Jason Hayward, who has three home runs over the last two weeks. In fact, I think it's like three home runs over the last four games. Uh, he's batting 294, 467, 735 with a WRC plus of 210. I am here for Jason Hayward revenge season. Y'all, y'all, <laughs> Jason Hayward. Like I get goosebumps just thinking about his at bat, his last home run that he hit. I mean, okay. My favorite thing about Jason Hayward hitting home runs is when he rounds the corner at third and he makes the, I love you sign with his hand. <laughs> that is my absolute favorite thing about this man. Like it just, I mean, it could not be happening to a better dude right now. The crap that happened this week with, um, you know, the racial tension in his clubhouse or maybe not racial tension in his clubhouse, but the, the situation that he had where his teammates did not take the opportunity to back him up. Um, you know, and just to come out and play baseball and like, that's what he does and wearing the number 42, like y'all, this is, this is cool. This is really, I mean, this man was five for 11. We're talking the red series right now, five for 11. He batted four fifty five. He had three home runs and four RBIs in this series. That's just crazy. And two of those home runs were on Sunday. Like just crazy, just crazy. Good for him. Good for him. I'm so happy to see him heat up, you know, and, and all these people talking about, well, at least he's a good defender. And at least he gave the rain delay speech. Y'all shut up, watch him and cheer for him when he bats. 
Like he is, he is on fire right now and appreciate this man. Stop talking all that nonsense and appreciate him. He is on fire and he deserves your applause. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything to add to that. I, I agree with absolutely all of that. Um, the Pirates offense, interestingly, looks kind of similar to the Cubs right now, where the Cubs have four players, uh, the Ian Happ and Jason Hayward, joined by Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Schwarber, really doing some damage. And then everybody else just kind of like struggling a little bit and like trying to come along. For the Pirates, those players are Jacob Stallings, Colin Moran, Kevin Newman. Uh, and then after that, it's like a big drop-off to... Josh Bell, who's slumping a little bit, trying to come out of it, and then the rest of their lineup is just not doing very much. So I think if the Cubs can pitch around the hot bats in the Pirates lineup, they should be able to do some damage in this series. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being that there's only a couple, and again, on paper, this is a far, you know, inferior team to the Cubs. I don't know a nicer way to say that. I'm sorry. But it's true. I mean, and it's not a big secret. It, it, they definitely are, are going to be able to pitch around some of their big bats. And, um, you know, hopefully these some of these guys, our pitchers, can come out and turn it around because I know, like, Kyle Hendricks really struggles on the road, and that's hard to watch. So it'll be, a, it'll be very interesting to see how he rebounds from his last outing and if he can come out and be the Kyle Hendricks that we need him to be. Also a similar situation with John Lester. You know, he's just been a workhorse this, this year and um, ready to see him go out and put up a, a good, solid quality outing for his team. I mean, this it's, you know, not a huge series, but it's definitely one that you'd like to pick up all three wins if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in fact, now that you're bringing that up, it, it makes me wonder if we will see Quintana or somebody else, maybe Adbert Alzale in that third spot so that the Cubs can keep you Darvish fresh for the St. Louis series right after. Um, it, it sort of feels like using your ace and your Cy Young candidate um, against a struggling Pirates team is not the best option, but we'll see. Uh, we'll find out who TBD is going to be coming up against the Pirates on Thursday, and we will be back after this Pirates series. With Hold on, can I stop you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm serious right now? Okay, I'm yes. Sorry. I was in the middle of the outro. Okay, no, go, go, go. I'm go. sorry, but I just read this. Patrick Mooney just said that GM Jed Hoyer says Albert Almora Jr. is going to be optioned to South Bend. Oh, intriguing. Okay, that that that's worth stopping the outro. I know. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. Jeez. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not even going to edit this. Like, y'all are just going to hear us do, like, this back and forth. That This, this is what it sounds like. Real this time. is us. Um, okay, so Albert Almora Jr. is headed to South Bend. Did he say who was going to come up? Because I don't think the Cubs needed to make that roster move since Zach Short was already on the 40-man and Maiden just comes up. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, I think that move had to happen, but I could be wrong. I didn't read anything further than that. That was all that particular tweet said. So, Oh, yeah, I guess that in order to get Maiden on the 20, it's 26 now, right? 26, yes. 28. I can't yes. remember how many people are allowed on the roster. They changed it. Um, and, and also <laughs> Chris gonna... Bryant, Chris Bryant could be activated tomorrow too. So they gotta, they gotta make some room. All right. Well, if Chris <laughs> Bryant is activated, you will hear about it on our next episode of at cup of cubby blue. Until then you can find me at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at BRYZ underscore blue. You can find both of us and all of the updates and relevant information from our episodes at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. And here's hoping that the Cubs can go into Pittsburgh, do some damage, and solidify their hold on first place in the NL Central. Until next time.